Hi, everybody. Uh, we're getting ready to uh, celebrate the Labor Day weekend, and I hope you have a really nice weekend and have lots of uh, fun and relaxation and hope you're able to spend some time with your family. Hope the weather's wonderful. Uh, today, we're doing the last session on Supreme Blessedness, where we talk about uh, different groups of people that Jesus said were supremely blessed and we really want to be in on that supreme blessing. We want to receive all that God has for us, all the blessings that he has for us. So the last group of people that are supremely blessed are really super duper supremely blessed. In all of the other Beatitudes, all the other groups of people, Jesus said that they were blessed. But this group of people... Uh, Jesus said they're blessed three different times. So they're super duper supremely blessed. So we're going to start with Matthew 5 verse 10. It says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You know, it makes sense to think that people who are living according to the Beatitudes would be considered the hallmark of society you know, applauded, given awards, respected, you know, he's a jolly good fellow, but you know, that's just not the case. Um, uh, people who live actually according to the Beatitudes are, are usually persecuted and not thought well of because they don't conform to the norms of society or even the norms of religion. You know, the first person who is persecuted and killed for his faith in the Bible it was Abel. Um, of all the uh, disciples, the people that followed Jesus the closest uh, after Jesus died, or Judas died, I'm sorry, um, 10 of those died a vicious and violent death. They were persecuted and they were martyred. The Apostle Paul was repeatedly beaten and imprisoned. He was stoned and left for dead. Um, true Christianity has split families completely apart. Family members have been ostracized and even betrayed um, to religious and government authorities. And that's what the Bible tells us will happen. And that's what Jesus promised would happen to those who followed him. You know, we're shielded from much of that in the United States. And being in the United States, I don't really even feel qualified to talk about it because we're so privileged and blessed and sheltered from that in the United States. Um, but it does happen all around the world, and it's not really reported much on the news here in the United States. Most experts believe that persecution of Christians is worse now than it ever has been. Um Places or organizations or governments that persecute Christians, there's ISIS that's still very active in Asia and West Africa, Al-Qaeda in the Middle East, and North Korea, Hindu nationalists in India, 
Al-Shabaab in Eastern Africa, Boko Haram in Nigeria, Nigeria's Hassa Fulani, Fulani uh, militants, radical Islam all over the world and especially in Asia and Africa, drug cartels in Colombia and Mexico, China's Communist Party, just all over the world, Christians are being tortured and, and uh, brutalized and, and put in prison and being uh, their businesses are being closed just for being a Christian. And uh, Christians still are having their own family members turn them in for being Christians around the world. In 2 Timothy uh, 3, verse 12, it says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And Jesus called those people that live godly lives and are persecuted blessed. You know, there's a false teaching out there that says, you know, if you have enough faith, you won't be tortured, imprisoned, or martyred, or persecuted. But that false teaching ignores the very words of Jesus and calls him a liar, and we can't do that. You know, I found that persecuted people usually have a whole lot more faith. Uh, we have to be aware of the Western view or the United States view of Scripture that's really tainted by our, our comfort and our safety that we have in the United States. In John 15, verse 20, Jesus said, Remember the words that I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. So Jesus tells us that we're not any better than Jesus is. We're not any better than him. And if they persecuted Jesus, they will persecute us. In 1 Peter 3.14, it says, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. So if you suffer for being a Christian, if you suffer for doing what is right, Jesus promises you that you are blessed. And a lot of times, you know, we look at things like, well, the most famous Christians are blessed or are this prophet or that prophet or this pastor or this author, famous author or speaker, are the most blessed Christians. But Jesus says that the most blessed Christians are those that are persecuted for his name's sake. So um, we've learned about all the Beatitudes. And when Jesus gets to the end of the Beatitudes, he has some interesting statements. He says that we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So if we live according to those Beatitudes, that we are going to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In Matthew 5.13, which comes right after the Beatitudes, here's what it says. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It no longer is good for anything except be thrown out and trampled by men. By saying this, Jesus is telling believers how much they matter to the future of society. In that age, salt was a very, very important commodity. It was the most important commodity available. In fact, in that time, it was more important than gold. So Jesus was telling his disciples that his followers were more important to the earth, to society, than gold was. The Greeks valued salt so much that they almost considered it divine. It was so valuable that the Romans sometimes paid their soldiers in salt. 
And that is where this uh, saying, the original saying, not worth is salt, really came from, originally came from. So in Jesus' day, salt brought healing. It was a preservative, a seasoning. It was a symbol of purity. It was used to create thirst. In, in back in Jesus' day, in arid countries, which is where Jesus lived, people would take salt and force would take salt and it would force them to drink liquids so they would not become dehydrated. And the funny thing about it is, and back in that day when salt would become impure, it was totally and completely worthless and it would become totally as hard as a rock and they would throw it on the roads to make roads out of it because it was so hard And if we lose our saltiness, we become hard and worthless to the kingdom of God. And we don't want that to happen. Colossians 4.2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Chains. See, he was persecuted. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So Paul was asking that the Colossians would pray that his conversation would be seasoned with salt. And that their conversation would be seasoned with salt so they would know how to answer everyone. In Luke 14, 34, it says, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soul nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And there's ways that... uh, our salt becomes not not uh, salty anymore. Um, the, just the cares of this world, we get uh, absorbed with other things. We uh, want to be sweet instead of salty. Uh, we want to appeal to people instead of uh, bringing seasoning and healing to people. And so we have to really be careful that we remain the salt of the earth. And then in verse, uh, the next verse in verse 14, uh, um, it says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. In that day, great cities were set on hills so they could see them from afar. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have street lamps. They didn't have uh, things like that, just lamps uh, with fire. Lamps were lit in houses, and the lamps were not extinguished because they were so difficult to light. Instead, they have a, had a special ceramic bowl they would put over them to cut out the light when they wanted to sleep. And when a light is lit, you just can't miss it. It shines and shines and shines. 
And we're supposed to let our light, the light that Jesus has put on the inside of us, to help people. You know, the world that we live in is covered in moral and spiritual darkness. And the only way that people can clearly see what really matters is for God's light to shine in us. It enables people to see and find their way to God. And we want to do that. We want to help people see their way to God. The darker it is around us, the more there is a need for the light. Uh, Darkness around us gets darker. You know, we talk about the United States, it's getting darker and darker and darker. But the darkness around us gets darker because the light fails. When we fail to reflect Christ's light, we let darkness in. So when we fail as Christians in the United States, that's where we live, that's where I live, more and more darkness comes in. And that's what's happened in the United States. You know, researchers have found that only 10% of born-again Christians actually read their Bible every day. And very few Christians even go to church anymore. Probably fewer than 10% of those born-again Christians that read their Bible actually live it. And we can't be in touch with God and have light flowing out of us if we're so disconnected from God. Many try to bring light to their country through their fervor for politics. And that was that happened in Jesus' day, too. The disciples thought that, that their Messiah was going to come and change the world through politics. But if we lose our light and salt um, in our fervor for to politics, uh, we lose our nation and we lose our we lose souls for the kingdom of God. You know, our citizenship in heaven and, and gaining souls for the kingdom of heaven is more important than our national pride or making America great. Our witness for Jesus Christ is what is supposed to be great, and that will bring light to our nation, and it will make America great if we're salt and light for Jesus Christ to our nation. Our first priority is God's kingdom. So I wonder if you're worth your salt and if you're light to your kingdom. You know, if we act like heathens, you know, if we call people names and we throw insults for political purposes, if we lie about people, if we share uh, scandalous things about people, or if we applaud people who do, we are bringing darkness to this world. And we're not, we're not doing any good for the United States if we bring darkness into this world. Uh, later in Matthew 5, Jesus addresses several things. He says, you've heard this said, but now this is what we're going to do now. He told them, you know, how to act under a new covenant. We have new standards that include more love and more forgiveness. And we need to act in light of the new covenant. We are to bring the fruit of the spirit into the world, not judgment and condemnation. So I encourage you to be salt and light, even if it brings judgment uh, even if it brings persecution, even if, if, it, if it brings insults to you, be the salt and the light that the world needs. You know, uh, if we're living the Beatitudes, we will be salt and light. If we're not, we'll be a dead religion that's worthless, that's dark, and it's tasteless. So if you found yourself in a condition that you're no longer salty and you're no longer a light to this world, there's help for you. 
So I just encourage you to go back to the first beatitude and start. And I'm just going to go through these, uh, the things that we've learned in the beatitudes, starting with the first beatitude that we've learned. Start with, you know, being poor in spirit, admitting how bankrupt you are spiritually. You know, if you've gotten away from the Lord and you've let other things uh, keep you from being the light of the world and salt of the earth, just admit that before the Lord and admit how bankrupt you are spiritually, spiritually, how poor in spirit you are. Mourn and grieve over your sin and the sins of your society. Be, be meek and submit yourself to God and his will. Be starving to death and be parched to be right with God and his will for your life. Be merciful to others, knowing that you can show them how to obtain eternal life. Have a pure heart toward God and others. Strive to have peace with others and to tell them how to have peace with God. And count it as a wonderful blessing when you are persecuted for your Christian character and for your faith. And if you do these things, Jesus has promised you that you will be supremely blessed. You'll be comforted. You will inherit the earth. You will be filled. You'll be shown mercy. You will see God. You will be called a son of God. And you will have a great reward in heaven. So, my dear friends, that is the end of Supreme Blessedness. We've covered all of the Beatitudes. How wonderful it is that Jesus sat down with his disciples and just said, now this is how you can be supremely blessed. And I guess the question for all of us is, now are we going to do it? Are we not? So I just encourage you to review all these uh, teachings, review what Jesus said, and just determine in your heart and ask God to help you to do all these things that he said and just receive the blessing that Jesus told you could, you could have. And uh, I just encourage you to do that and just look forward with faith uh, for the promised blessing he told you you could have. And so I just want you to have a wonderful weekend and just meditate upon these words and uh, be blessed. Be supremely blessed in Jesus' name. Bye-bye.